This is TV Podcast. Yeah. A podcast about entertainment issues. Right? TVPodcast.com. Mark is coming, Mark. I'm doing a film about my nightmares as I'm dreaming. Of. In order for the movie to continue, it, it was dependent on me having more nightmares. Well, fortunately, I did. The world of horror films suffered its own terror today. Part of the theme of the movie is becoming like part of the making of the movie. When the story dies, the evil is set free. Now that the films have ended, the genie's out of the bottle. That's what the nightmares are telling me, and that's what I'm writing. This is still a script we're talking about, right, Wes? It's kind of crossover, out of films, into our reality. The only way to stop is to make another movie. Oh, my God. You're going to have to make a choice. What kind of choice? Whether or not you're willing to fight Nancy. One last listening to TV Ate My Dinner. My name is Sean. I am returning with Lynn, Andrew, and Gary. I should say Gary, Andrew, and Lynn. She likes to be the Anne. I go last. <laughs> I go last. That's my thing now. And featuring Lynn as herself. TV Ate My Dinner. Unless you'd like me to be someone else for this episode. This episode recorded in Freddio. I could be professional people. Dream demon. <laughs> Ultimate dream warrior. <laughs> In my dreams, I'm hot. And I have a mohawk. Yeah. And I'm the wizard master. That's my favorite part. The only thing special I can do in my dreams is run on all fours like a cat. Sometimes I can fly in my dreams. I can levitate, but not usually fly. It's funny how levitating is easier than flying. It's weird how... uh, I think that that's a funny thing in this... You know, that's sort of believable in these movies... Is that you know you wonder what's a dream can't do anything? It's like yeah, but you're bound by what you imagine you can do in the real world, and the closer you are to doing things like you do in real life, the better off you are. Like jumping, (laughs) jumping really high is a lot easier to dream than actually flying. Right. Maybe you need to progress because it's like Superman. He used to just jump, 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 and then he suddenly went, well, why don't I just fly? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what's weird? I noticed something in a dream. You know how we always talked about everybody has the like the uh, school dream, where it's the anxiety yeah. dream where you haven't been to class in like months. Oh, I have it all you, the time. Yeah, everybody has that. But since I've had Alex, oh, I didn't have Alex. I've had Alex, but, but <laughs> since I have a kid now, <laughs> the dream I have is that like I forgot to pick her up, or I haven't. You know, I was supposed to pick her up or do something, <laughs> or it's like, oh my, oh my gosh, so I was like, I or one of them, or like I did. I forgot about her birthday party. I was supposed to meet everybody there, and she was so disappointed. Like, that's the dream. That's my anxiety dream. That's oh, that's funny because, that. yeah, because you graduated to a whole right. new. My favorite anxiety I dream, dream is. I that I'm still living with my parents, and that's a big anxiety for me. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. We're not going to move out. I hate there. this. I can imagine. I do the one where you're driving the car, but you're not in it. You ever had that? Where it's like no. car lengths in front of you, and you can't see where it's going? That was like such a Sometimes I, dr- I dream that I'm driving, but I don't actually drive. I don't have a license. So in my dream, sometimes I'm driving a car, and then I suddenly remember I don't have a license. That's pretty scary. And or sometimes I dream you. it <laughs> sinks in the ocean. That's the other thing. You drop, like, the car sinks in the ocean, or you drop something in the ocean, and that's gone. No, I don't have ocean it's dreams. Gone, I have teeth man. falling out dreams. Uh, I've never yeah. had those. I know people had that, that have had that, but I haven't had that I have my teeth falling one. out. I have, I have a couple of little things that let me know I'm in a dream, but sometimes... It happens, and I'll think, 
that's the thing that happens in my dreams. Wow, it's really strange that it's moving into reality. And in the dream, I don't make the connection. I just think that it's real again. <laughs> no, it's real. It's strange <laughs> that my, my teeth are falling out in reality now. It's just <laughs> like a dream. That's funny. Yeah, but it, my dream self is stupid sometimes. I never have Sometimes those. I realize. I seem to always know it's a dream, and, and I get disappointed when dumb things happen. I had a dream the other night where I, it was like a couple of weeks ago where I was like going down this elevator and I was dead in the dream. And I was like, this is interesting. I wonder where this elevator goes. If you're going down in this elevator, well, this is going to be cool to see. I wonder, you know, the whole oh, mechanics like of, of the business. And, you, and the elevator went down and down and down until it actually came down to the ground and I was above the ground again. And that was supposed to be heaven. I don't know why I was going down because it was supposed to be heaven. I was yeah, like, "Well, this well, is interesting." That's, now, that's now I'll, lot, meet, I'll meet God. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing. You should say that because then when I then in the dream I meet God and he's kind of a, just an ass. And I was like, "Well, <laughs> well, if you're just going to be lame, I'm going to wake up." And that's yeah, how the dream have, ended. Sometimes it's I have like, the lucid, you have the lucid dreams where it's like it's something like that's about to happen where he goes. Oh, cool! I'm gonna find out what happens here, and then you realize you're dreaming, and then like, but it's not only that I'm dreaming, yes. it's that also that I'm controlling this story. So I'm like, and nothing. And then <laughs> like you realize, nothing yeah, happens you anymore. Got, and then I wake dream, up. I'm like, well, oh, limited to that. I was in a, in a dream. <laughs> yeah, most of my dreams are exactly like. <laughs> I was inside a store one time in the dream, and there was a door at the at the back of the store, and there was a girl standing in the store, and I said, "What's behind that? What's what's behind that door?" And she said, "That's the hey, place." Hey, hey, do we need to hear the end of this dream? No, yeah. You and a girl up. and a door and rated G. Yeah, on. that's fine. Rated T for team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I say, what's behind the door? She says, "That's the place beyond all imagining." Whoa, like, oh, that's so pretty cool. So of course I open the door and it's like nothing. I woke up. It's like it's the place beyond all imagining. It's the real what world. You, you need to appreciate it. Was like, it's like those movies where it they try to do the person totally think the person's and most white scared outside. of, and it's just like a squid. There was nothing outside that door. It was blank. It was like staring at a white piece of paper. It's beyond imagining. That's what imagining. I'm saying. Like when dreams become it's so beyond great imagining, that... Sean. You can't imagine I it. It's just nothing. I just told you it was beyond all imagining. And the first thing you do is open the damn door. Yeah, this way to the egress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew that if I said that, you would open that door. And then there was nothing we could do but wake you up. But anyway. God so... <clears throat> Interesting. And that's it for TV and my dinner. Yeah, thank you for joining us on this mini-sode. (laughs) Thank you. Good night. Infredio! Oh, yeah. We are continuing our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective, which began well before Halloween and will probably stretch well after. I mean, I'm so pleased. (laughs) This is the most epic of Halloween specials we've done. It's like an eight-part series on Friday, on Freddy. Welcome to TV and my Freddy. We did like Freddy ate my TV. Freddy ate my dinner. Parts on Friday the thirteenth. We're gonna do like eight parts on night. Freddy ate my TV dinner. We already did Friday the thirteenth. That's what I mean. It was like a three-parter, and now we're already moving into like part four of the Nightmare on Elm Street, and we've said nothing so far. So we could be going into overtime on this one as well. All right, so we covered all the films through Freddy's Dead, which is the core franchise, because everything after that is some kind of reunion. It's the original canon. <clears throat> a comeback. Everything's a comeback movie after after that. And you know what I'll say going into the uh, New Nightmare? It might be my most enjoyable to watch. I thought I it was like kind of really? interesting. Yeah, I, I thought think it was it's like... definitely the best 
thought of movie. Like I still say, the first one is the one that works the best. It's, yeah, I it's mean, classic that's by good itself. And it's a classic for me. But this, is like this introduces, so goofy, but it's a neat idea. It introduces such a cool idea to the and it's just concept. well made enough, you know, for the time when it gets. We're like, oh, I get it, you know. Yeah. Well, think about this movie probably doesn't get the props that it deserves in the sense that this movie like heralded in that that whole '90s idea, that, that metaverse, yeah, metafilm, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I don't want to congratulate it too much for that because I started to hate that. But this, you, there's so Leon. much. <laughs> well, when you think about it, like, but this one sort of does it in the way that works. 1984. Written in there. Wes Craven brought in Nightmare, and Nightmare on Elm Street sort of defined horror movies of the 80s. And then in 94, he brings in New Nightmare, and I think it's 94, 93, something like that. I think it's 94. Yeah, 94 so was So 94, he brings in New Nightmare, and it, it sort of establishes the tone of horror movies in the 90s. Yeah. Of course, he was partly to blame for that as well, because he turned right around and made Scream. And Scream... Yeah. Two years was later. what really set that tone. Scream set the tone for all the terrible '90s horror movies. But, but it is funny to see how you can see that the evolution of that sensibility in New Nightmare, because he takes the idea of you know, that anthematic '80s and how iconic and every and crazy it was, and it's an analysis of that. It's like this is what the world would be like after that, like where Freddy has so become weird, an icon. It's way even trippier than all the Scream or like even Cabin in the Woods or something, because those are still in a world where this stuff is happening, and it's just people are commenting on it. This is like and they're played for reality. laughs that way. Yeah, this is reality bending because it's the actors, and then like, wait a second, you know, it's kind of yeah, interesting though. And no one has ever done it quite as well as this to to take that concept and really look at let's deconstruct how horror movies are sort of a force for good against evil and how we, we sort of, I love that, that concept that it's by telling these stories is how storytellers are capturing right. that, that's a really cool that idea, evil. And that's, that's why it's necessary to make yeah, horror he's movies. Freddy for these few for these 10 years, but he was something ancient before. That, yeah. You know. So they recreate Freddy with a cool yeah. look, like this really cool makeup and the yeah, I think he's the cool scariest in this costume. one too. He's also very well, scary cool because, because he doesn't they, show they, up very much. They capture much. him as well as define him, but at the same time that limits him but gives him powers. It's a weird sort of paradox. And and the idea yeah. of the little kid who sees it coming is such a, an awesome because we always that used kid to love is that so creepy with, with the stuff. Yeah, because he's like the yeah, kid from Pet Cemetery. Oh, he's the, he's the kid. From- yeah, he's in a couple he's different things. He's the kid from kindergarten. Goes, boys have penises, girls have vaginas. <laughs> yes, he's, yeah. that kid. <laughs> yes. he's like an iconic kindergarten cop. <laughs> <laughs> he was like the cute kid, yeah. or a creepy kid, depending on what you were looking for. He was the kid. Where is well, he yeah, now? I mean, Where's that guy Gabe now? is what I always remember him as from. Yeah, uh, we need to see what he looks like. I want to see what that kid looks like now. Yeah, we got to look him up. Is he even still acting? I don't think so. I'll look it up. I won't be surprised. He's probably in something. Yeah, that kid now is Zach Efron. Yeah, it's Shia LaBeouf. Poof. <laughs> but, but yeah. So and, and there were so many cool like because it was like a fairy tale wow. where it's like the Hansel and Gretel thing. The whole story of like yeah. Freddy has become sort of a classical, mythical kind of monster. Oh, he's doing voiceovers now. Yeah, That's he interesting. He won an yeah. Emmy for his voiceover work. In what? Cartoons, uh, I suppose. Fox animated series Life with Louie. 
and now he's a oh musician. Oh my god, so. that movie that was like forever ago. Louis, the yeah, Louis he, I mean, he actually well, but no, he does actor. He actually survived childhood uh, stardom. Couple movies. He's in Tropic Thunder as a radio DJ, uncredited. Uncredited. Yeah. <laughs> Why uncredited? Well, I mean, he's in stuff, and he looks. They wouldn't pay me a scale. Of Baywatch, you know. Oh yeah, well that's good. <clears throat> All right, so nothing. Well, yeah. So, in the movie. Oh, way to reduce someone's life to nothing, Sean. Oh, but at least he's not—he's not like creepy looking. He's not like Macaulay Culkin thing or something. <laughs> like he looked kind of normal. Well, he was now. a cute oh, yeah. kid, but he looked yeah. like he was the kind of cute kid that would grow up to be like, like, like a good-looking, yeah, like grown up. Like sometimes you see these cute kids because they have these exaggerated features, potential. and you're like, oh no, he's going to be a nightmare when he gets older. Right. He is too particular looking at that age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, he's got kind of an odd face, and that's cute as a kid, but not as an adult. Yeah, so yeah, so well, the he's acting a, thing he's a, he's a pivotal well, part, part of this movie because he, he is does really a good creepy. job. Like the whole movie is centered on him, and this is like Wes Craven's whole thesis. And this is really, it doesn't. There's not a dipshit dad thing in this. Although he does have a dipshit dad because his dad is like clueless and dies immediately. Yeah, yeah, just dies immediately. It's great. But but the but dad is also kind of annoying because I I don't like I don't like people who try to manipulate people and and who lie and that sort of thing. And he does all that sort of stuff. He's yeah. like, oh, I knew you were having nightmares about Freddie, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm working on a new Freddie film that they're expecting you to play right. a part in. Yeah. It's like yeah. what? You're not going to tell me that sort of shit? I think that's something that you should tell me. He's more a dipshit husband as opposed to a dipshit yeah, dad. But he doesn't yeah. have much interaction with husband. the kid. He doesn't get to be – he is a dipshit dad, but he doesn't get to do enough to establish himself as that. But it, it's yeah, we the same concept it. because it's still – he'd actually – Wes Craven really explores that idea in a, in a much broader sense here in that it's – she's not a dipshit mom, but at the same time, the whole – crux of the story is that only the child sees the threat and the scope of the threat and no one else either will listen or can understand him like this whole beautiful idea i know brooks always used to love that idea too about the stuffed dinosaur protects him in uh, his yeah, dream that's the neat. Yeah. yeah and what brooks that's was cool. always mad because he's like the dinosaur all with the stuffing ripped out of it and you're like oh no and then when they patch him back up they patch him up with red bread so he looks yeah that was kind of cool it's like it's such a beautiful concept brooks was always mad because he's like i kept expecting when freddie showed up for that dinosaur to pop out <laughs> like like yeah. correct but then when you but then what you see is the problem that was whole, that it was hmm. it was he- it was heather's story not well, also, that, that would have been too to expensive. <laughs> that would have cost a yeah. lot of money. So we, what we see Yeah, is when you saw the effects at the end of the movie, you realize that they just didn't have the money for it. Yeah, that confrontation happened oh, yeah. off screen because they find Rex all torn to shreds. So <laughs> like, that I, happened. Did I miss something, though? I mean, this is like, I don't know if this is jumping ahead, but I mean, who was sending her and calling her then? Is it Freddy? According yeah, to Wes Craven, like in the commentary, yeah, it's all supposed to be Freddy. So how is he doing that, though? How is he sending stuff in the mail? I guess because I mean, he's, he's switching. Yeah. Has, he's beginning to transition into the real world. He still okay. has power. He's beginning to transition. Yeah, and that culminates uh, in the the scene where she, like she's actually in the movie at the end. It's like the, there's a final overlap where when she runs into yeah, John Saxon, he thinks he's her dad, and that's and it, you can yeah. see it in the movie. But Wes Craven is is just going blow by blow, and he says there's that pivotal moment where she finally is going to accept her role as Nancy, and when you see. Freddie popping up out of the sheets, he actually sits there and waits for it until that line yeah. where she says, you know, you know, I love you too, daddy. Yeah. 
And when I she calls him daddy, that that's her acceptance of her role as Nancy. And that's when Freddie springs into yeah. action. That's like the final moment where the, the confrontation She knows that she needs play. to allow him to transition so she can fight him. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And and they both – the rules of them of Freddie are so much more interesting in this movie because it's not about dreams and waking about that. It's about the blurred line between fantasy and reality. It's about acknowledging him mm-hmm. as a thing. You know, yeah. And that him. if if – she's going to fight him she has to acknowledge him but by acknowledging him she gives him power but the child has already given him power like he has power to hurt the child you know and I kind of wish people. that they'd brought Robert England more into it into the story into that part of the story because he's having the nightmares and he's drawing stuff and then she just tries to call him and he's like I'm going away for a long time yeah, yeah I like, like how oh, they're playing up go? the fact that he's like they're playing up the fact some that, sort of conduit. She, that she's kind of freaked out by him as a person you know, now that she's seen do, him in the makeup, right, yeah, and that's the thing that too. The thing, where they do that at the funeral too, but then that's really the last they talk about it. And then they say you should come over, but she never comes over. So yeah, I think they. Well, she tries to call, and that's when he. Well, because part of yeah, part of that is also supposed to be that yeah. anyone she would turn to for help is disappearing. So even Robert England, yeah. who might help her, and I think that's important to the story because that helps to create the division between Robert England and Freddie. There is no actual connection between Robert England and Freddie in this story. Freddie is like some kind of external force, so they they don't blur that line. I would have liked at all. it if they had a, if there had been more of a connection. I would have known if mine yeah, if I he had have been. If they explored sort of the actor and the you know Freddie as an entity, like kind of coming. But that would have been a different story. A different version of this same story would be Robert England being the one who could fight Freddy. But I like the idea that the whole reason it has to be Heather Langenkamp is because Nancy was the one character in the movies, if you had to name one, who could defeat Freddy. She was the only one. I would have liked them to do something where maybe they had um, them confronting each other. Maybe maybe the Freddy spirit taking back ownership from Robert England. I could see it, but I do think that sort of muddies the concept a little bit. Because well, yeah. he's trying right away to just I got a little bit bored in the middle because there was a lot of running about, and I got a little bit bored, and I was like, oh, can we just move on with it? I thought that – I really liked the moodiness of it. I liked – because by the time – at some point, because he was saying, like, originally, Freddie um, wasn't next, going to appear. Freddie was going to, like, be possessing the babysitter or some stupid stuff like that, and they realized that you couldn't do that. Like, audiences would freak out. Like, that would be no good payoff for the audience. At some point, Freddie has to manifest. The Friday the Thirteenth, and nobody liked it. Exactly, and we'll get to it. But Freddy versus Jason had a similar problem with with what they were trying to do with particularly the ending of that film. But at some point, the payoff right. is you have to have the character manifest physically. Like you can't just hint at the threat of Freddy. Freddy has to show up in the final reel, just like in any good. I think it's movie. one of the ones where Robert Englund does his best acting because mm. he's not just trying to be a cartoon character now. He gets to play himself, he's scary. and then he yeah, gets to play this new more, darker Freddy, yeah, and he, he really gets his menacing. teeth into it. When I think he's it's killing the, only the time babysitter. He's that's scary. such a creepy scene because he's like, because he's making jokes to the little kid, but it's like the horror of it hits you. Like yeah. how awful it is, and it's a throwback to the original film where they're on the ceiling and stuff. But he's like, "There's more than one way yeah. to skin a cat," and he's like, "I got not really doing that annoyed at that nurse yeah. who kept on trying to lock her up. She's like, all you need is a good night's sleep. Let's go and forcibly inject this kid.'" And I was like, "Oh, that nurse, go away!" Yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, she was the dipshit dad. Stick him. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that one. It, it, it is, um, that mantle. The one nurse comes up and she goes, "I don't think she's nursing. letting her sleep at all." <laughs> they let her in. It's like, shut up, nurse. Who are you? Yeah, what like do you know about anything? It's, it comes back to that sort of um, 
maybe it's another subcategory of the, of the of the people with responsibility who don't believe in the people of the you know the thing it's it's like the dipshit dad thing but it happens in the, these horror movies it comes from number two number number three in this one where the other nurse was like we're going to inject them well it's, it's people it's on a grander the scale often there's, doctors there's who no don't one who it. can help us it's like that's a grander scale of the same concept and the dipshit dad yeah. is the people who are supposed to be protecting me can't but this is on a grand scale. No worse. one can help. Well, they're trying to protect them from the wrong person. It's not the mother that was the issue. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to protect him from the mother, though. It's like misguided, you know, yeah, intentions. They're, they're aiming at the wrong person. I like the moment when she sort of realizes like, he's perfectly capable of walking out here while he's asleep. <laughs> he sleepwalks you idiot you haven't actually gotten all of the facts and you just, you're already making judgments yeah, so just you know even know your up. own job lady yeah, keep your needle to yourself and let me deal with my kid yeah now if you don't mind I'm gonna go chase my kid through traffic dipshit nurse <laughs> dipshit nurse because you stabbed him with a needle <laughs> yeah you know if you'll excuse me I have I to go chase I my child through traffic I don't know that real nurses do that they always do it in movies that so they sneak up on someone and just inject them I don't yeah. know, firstly, that that would actually work because you have to actually stop well, and inject also, someone. Well, also, there's an time. issue of liability there. Well, there's a there consent is, issue. There's is no there? way that a nurse yeah, would consent. sneak an injection on you. Yeah. I mean, she would sue the hospital so much. Oh, yeah. They haven't even got her insurance Yeah, imagine, either. like, in, in the reality where that kid never woke up again. It's like, oh, that's so your ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of those people would be fired. Nurse license, goodbye. This movie's so unrealistic. <laughs> Hello? 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 Sean? <laughs> Sean's gone to, to see to his I dog, think I think. I lost Sean. I, I can hear Thomas, Sean. so... I can he hear Thomas. He was possessed by a, a night demon. A sleep demon. <laughs> sleep demon. Sean, Ooh. did you fall asleep? Don't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Don't fall asleep. Whatever you do, Sean, don't yeah. fall asleep. I like how there was this like thirty second pause, and then all of us just went hello. The whole the, the whole <laughs> air just like, sucked out of the podcast. I like yeah. how when hello. I stop talking, it's a, a vacuum is left. It's a present. Good lord, Sean hasn't made a sound in five seconds. It's like in Wayne's World when Wayne quit and Garth is just sitting there. <laughs> Say something. Hello. I like stuff. Okay. Even though Sean has left, his spirit has lost none of its potency. <laughs> yeah, it's still an electric feeling in the air. Anyway. Yeah, but so I, I thought that that concept definitely to me. I mean, this is the one that that set the bar in a different place because you couldn't make another one after that. There was no, there's no following that. Like that was this is definitely yeah. its own little f- companion piece to Nightmare on Elm Street because it doesn't work in a world where it becomes part of the franchise. It wasn't a franchise builder. It was just hey, I have one more idea for a nightmare movie that I think would be pretty cool. And it was so the, it, the it worked. Thing, for, I think yeah. maybe 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 my biggest problem with it is that I didn't really like the Heather character. I found her a bit boring and highly strung. She was just a bit, little bit too upset, a little bit too soon for me. So I was just like, "Oh, come on, woman!" I can believe it. If things are <laughs> screwing with your kid, 
And I didn't say it was unbelievable. I just thought it was annoying. I just didn't like. <laughs> I see where she's coming from. Like things were screwing with her first, though, so, and then they were screwing with her kid. So, but yeah, it was a little bit annoying. I was like, oh, get over it. I think, yeah, I just w- wanted to see more of other characters because I didn't like her. Again, I think there is a sort of a sort of context as to when these films came out too, because. You know, when you're watching them back to back, or you the, you can see them all after the fact, sort of thing, it doesn't work as well as you know after Freddy's dead for one, where you know you're in the aftermath of like, wow, that was really that was really bad. Because when you first watched Freddy's Dead, it was the last Freddy movie, so you were more on board than you should have been, and it wasn't until later on that you're like, yeah, this wasn't that good. And then that was the last one, and they're all over. And then like somebody comes back and like, we, well, we got one more. And it's Wes Craven. Like, so the context of that in a world that's been sort of like without Freddy for a while, and then the story is that this evil is coming because the franchise has been over and something has to sort of catch him back in the bottle. Like, it's the context of that when it comes out is more powerful. It's more potent. For I want to know what happened after. Did out. they actually go and film that movie afterwards? Is that what we're watching? <laughs> they they just, what happened afterwards? Did in, they actually the, film in, that strip? Within that, that world, did they actually make watching? that movie? Oh, is that what we're oh. watching? Is that is that what they're trying to say? They that all this happened and then they went and filmed it. That the movie it's we're like watching the, you know, the, is this is the a tribute to the song. He did say this is a tribute to the best song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the real dream sequence when she actually went and killed Freddy looked much cooler. This is we didn't have the graphics to represent how it actually was in the dream world. But he he was saying that that he actually had to go to the directors guild and make his case for a couple of things because on, on the one hand he had no opening credits to the film because he didn't want he didn't want you automatically thinking well this is a movie we're going to he wanted to have a weird kind of documentary feel where it just starts so it doesn't open with titles or anything sure. like that and then. Uh, Apparently, this is really dumb. The guilds really annoy me over stuff like this. But, right. But because of that final scene where she picks up the script and the script says it's written by Wes Craven, technically yeah. the film ends with a writer credit before the director credit. Oh, God. Okay. Even though they're the same person... You, you cannot... And even though it's a prop in a movie. And even though that's a story element, he had to go make the case that that's a story element film, it's not intended to be a credit, and it's necessary for the story so that the Director's Guild would give him an exception to that rule. Greenlight. Because the Director's Guild is so thingy that you always have to have the Director's credit before the Writer's credit? Oh, yeah. at the In the end credits, you always open oh. with... You always in do that directed by... the opposite of the opening credit. And they get, yeah, the, the director must be last in the opening credits, but he has to come first in the, the end credits. What, why do they get to make these rules? Why does the Directors Guild get to make that rule? Anything with a that guild doesn't make in any the name sense. Like, I can tell you what trusted. you have to do in your credits. That's exactly what they do. I don't like George it. Lucas got in trouble with, with them immediately because of the way he did the Star Wars yeah. movie credits. Because he just wanted to do something his way and not like, oh, you have to have follow all yeah. these rules, otherwise we'll kick think, you out of our special club. I don't club. even think he's in the guild over that shit. He's like, I don't care. I'm We're in a Lucas. special club and you guys got to do everything the way we say because we think the director should be first because he's the most important man in the whole world because we're the director's guild. Yeah, because that's our job to, to advocate that point. So we came up with dumb rules like this. But 
but yeah, so like George Lucas is like, I don't care if I'm in your guild or not. I'll just go make my own hundred million dollar movies. I don't need to be in your guild. So what? I can get work. I as didn't a director need to pay you guys money movie? to ratify my position. <laughs> I'm George I'll just make Lucas, all some bitch. That's why like Robert Rodriguez got in trouble with the guild for giving co-director credit to Frank Miller on Sin City because yeah, he's not part of the guild. That. He may have gotten kicked out of the guild over that, but he's just like, well, he did co-direct it, so I'm giving him the credit. Yeah, like, man, well, he's yeah, not part of the, the guild. Co- the, the Coen brothers used to have problems earning the Fairly Brothers saying they co-directed things. And they finally let up on that because people do that all the time now. Yeah. Usually brothers, too. I don't yeah. understand. There's all these brothers. It's or the Wachowskis. Yeah, see, that, dumb, that stuff is so dumb. Even one of the last, I mean, I won't spoil anything, but one of like the the penultimate episode, or no, it's one great episode of Breaking Bad this year where like a big thing happens at the beginning. It's Ozymandias episode. They had to talk to the guild mm. to get them not to show the credit during like the first segment because it's kind of like an emotional thing. But they had to do all the stuff that they said, well, we're never going to do this again because this is just unheard of <laughs> to not show the credits right at the beginning. It's during... so weird that that it becomes because then the guild is sort of hamstringing you creatively. You right. should I mean, be able to. I understand. That's the thing, because it's always these maverick directors trying to trying to make something a little bit more interesting, and they're like, "You can't do that. You have to do it the same way everybody else does it." Yeah, and I'm sure. It's like, but we're trying to do something. If different. we're just doing yeah, standard credits, we, we I can have... do it that way. But if I'm making a creative decision, it's an artistic decision to the piece, and yeah. it and how the credits are done affects that. Then then you shouldn't have I'd any say. Not in have, that. I mean, yeah, if that if you go with how they exactly. thought, I mean, we'd have all the credits at the beginning of the movies like they used to. That's yeah. horrible. I'd rather have no credits at the beginning of a movie because that's better. Yeah, because then you just jump right in. Like the the studio is worried about the opening sequence of Cabin in the Woods. Like the the audience won't know what movie they're in. It's like yeah, but they're not gonna leave because of it. They know they're in the right movie. They're and even if they did get up and walk out, they're not gonna go demand their money back. Like so. Well, it's, it's not a twenty minute sequence or anything. Yeah, if it was like twenty minutes of these guys talking about nothing, you, you would get patrons going. I think I would. Walk and then into the, the title movie. shows up. It's wrong. But those guys are in the freaking commercials. We know. Minutes. We know something's going it's on. It's only a couple of minutes. But even if you didn't know, even if you walked in blind thinking this was just a slasher flick, you would watch the two minutes of that and go, "Well, that's weird." Oh, look, here's oh, a this is flick. the movie we're in. <laughs> like the, that's what they're you saying. The studios have so little faith in audiences that they'll get anything. But they, they seem to think that audience must never, ever be confused about anything. It's like, they'll be confused. So what? It's a movie. They, we want to make them think about stuff. Yeah, I think we talked about this before, but that's what Bruce Campbell was talking about in his book. There was a scene in Darkman where, I can't remember what, but like the bad guy was like naked with a bunch of money or something weird, like like rubbing money <laughs> on himself or whatever. And they, and they wanted it cut, and they did get it cut. Because the test audiences found it disturbing. He's like, it was intended to be a disturbing <laughs> yeah, scene. It's supposed to be disturbing. Like, that you're not supposed to movie. find that awesome. Like, that you're, that was to let you know how creepy <laughs> and weird that guy was. You were supposed to be disturbed by that. We That was effective. And then it, we still had to cut it exactly. because people found it disturbing. It was too damn effective. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's why test audiences don't work. People, Normal people aren't supposed to give comments on movies and go... I didn't like that. It's like it's supposed to be a whole thing that hits you. You're not supposed to nitpick every single thing. That's like when you watch the, like the debates and they have the people every second doing polls. Like doing <laughs> like, ups and downs. Of oh, yeah. How do you the guy hasn't even said anything sentence? yet, and we've already captured a feeling. But that actually segues into like Freddy versus Jason because I was uh, 
I was watching. I didn't watch the commentary on the whole movie, but I was watching deleted scenes, and I was watching the commentary on that. And Ronnie, you was saying that they actually sometimes the test audience is helpful because they'd have like these scenes where, like, they were trying to be emotional and they just came off as hokey. <laughs> like the test audiences are like boo, like they're not even writing anything. <laughs> like the immediate reaction of the audience is like, I'm glad yeah, we had I that think, screening. Yeah, I because... think if it's fun popcorn, I think test audience. I think could if you work, do it though. right, there yeah. are va- there is value in a test audience, but you've got to do it right. Yeah, There's the, value in the, the test audience of people you know, like peers and stuff. The input, like, well, yeah, like well, George Lucas is showing his friends Star Wars and they don't mind speaking their mind about it. But, but yeah, it depends on how far you're willing to go. Like, But in the immediate test reaction, like, everyone hated this. It's like, well, then probably it would be a good idea to tweak that. Everyone thought that was terrible. Well, especially if it wasn't going for what it was going for. If the, you try to do an emotional scene and they said, this and scene people was are laughing go, okay, at it I didn't or get what I was doing. But if it's it's just like a a scene that's supposed to be disturbing and you're like, the audience was disturbed here. Oh, good. Tick. Exactly. That worked. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Well, there's ones like... like, uh, Quinn Tarantino thing where the lady had the heart attack or whatever (laughs) during the Pulp Fiction. Good. He has that... Or during the uh, needle, the F and Edgar or whatever scene where... And he's like, that's cinema. I mean, that's something. He got a reaction out of somebody. That's that's the uh, you don't want anybody to die, but that's the uh, attitude you should have. You yeah, well, Tarantino probably does. Sean Lee. Well, like there's um. I think we lost Sean again. Oh, oh no, no we can suck talk. the air out. You can feel it. Cause... Damn, freaking dream demons! No, not again. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. I don't. I I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm just worried about hearing something weird on his feed while he's not there. <laughs> That's what I'm going to just leave and scream bloody murder. Like that time when we were all talking and we all three heard a fourth track that on Skype. That was so funny, though, because we all went, That's not me. That's not me. Yeah, That's not me. And you went, yeah, it was like we heard that yeah. shuffling around and like Who's there's no one else furniture? on the call. Oh, yeah. And someone's moving furniture around. It's like it's not on the recording because it's not any of us. We don't know what we picked up, but that was the weird... Like, one of these days, I'm going to be editing an episode and hear something really weird. Sean. Yeah, exactly. Sean. That's what scares me. Like, at least I edit in the mornings. If I edited at night, I'd hear that anyway. (laughs) If I edited in the middle of the night. Like, who who is that? It's like you're watching Ghost Hunters, and they're like, we think it says, I want to die. And it's like, it goes... Mm -hmm. Really? What is it? When did I know. We'll like play the fact you that again. you Hold had on. to put the subtitle on it says that it, that you pulled that. There's been some weird ones on that show. There have been some, some crazy and some ones are crystal clear. Those are the there ones have been that really some interesting get you. Ones. <laughs> but a lot of the times, I love the times when the, the 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 main guys are really you know critical about everything, but some of their underlings aren't. So get you get them going. Out. Look, this is clearly a globe here. There's no way. This, and they're like, Bug. dudes. We don't like globes. We don't believe in orbs. Yeah. We don't like any orbs. of those things that you put in your photos. Orbs, Bub. whatever they are. Orbs, globes, Bug, rods, dust. bugs and dust, dummy. Orbs don't prove anything, okay? So just of leave it. In defense and like, of those, we saw the, those oh. guys, though, they get so much hell from them if they don't produce something. It's like, i got to show you I watch these videos. Well, so that's I'm what, showing them the yeah, bug. Matt, they, yeah, they gloss over that job. Sit in a room for nine hours and watch five different video feeds while listening to ten hours of audio. Yeah, you know they got to miss something somewhere cool. along the line. Yeah. I love the one one of the episodes where they have a montage and he's like, "What about that? That's a bug. What about that? That's dust. What about that? That's another bug. What about that? That's just dust." 
I'm like, oh, this that's sucks. a dusty bug. <laughs> All right. So, Freddy versus Jason. I liked it. I yes. did too. I I have to tell you, I rewatched it this weekend, and and the hokiness of it like hit me a little bit more than it has before. Because you know now you're doing the retrospective and you watch like New Nightmare and stuff and they're like wow like to go from New Nightmare like, to Freddy vs Jason is a pretty pretty big. Flip. Well, it's like the only thing they could have done really in the, to in follow from New Nightmare. It's like we can't do anymore. It's like well, if it's Freddy vs Jason, we can do it again. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. We can yeah. do that. And we do something cool. Freddy vs like Jesus. I mean, it's sort of a remake, sort of mix Jesus. up. Yeah, that's, that's the, the only next one, one they could do. It next. is a more Freddy centric <laughs> movie, but I really think Jason comes off the best because he really is just genuine Jason, just killing things the whole time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Freddy has got like, like this. It's a cornfield full of kids, and he just sees how many he can kill at once. Yeah, and <laughs> like, six like on it. screen, by the way. I think more of them got it during some of the cutaways, but but six yeah. of them get it. Yeah. Which really like the jock, the There's jock versus the I nerd. I like comparing really. that to the number two in the franchise where Freddy gets out in the party, and he just doesn't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's but, just like yeah, a nerdy guy. They would all be dead. This is so weird. But yeah. I've never it's been like, to Oh, I got this weak glove. Jason gets more kills by far in this movie than Freddy. It's like that's sort of like the underlying well, story. It's like the, the conflict comes from the fact that Jason really has the numbers on Freddy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of numbers, I do have some numbers on some some box office returns. Oh, I was having you to get that. Compare. Well, we won't go too deep into it, but I wanted to compare the franchises. Now, of the classic franchises, Friday the 13th movies have grossed the most money worldwide. Like, $465 million. All the films worldwide. That sort of thing does well in foreign countries because you don't have to think about it. Always the things that think less do better in the foreign market. Yeah. I think we do better in America because some of these don't even have worldwide grosses attached, which means they didn't have much release outside of America, theatrically. Some of them, it's like the same gross... For, for domestic and worldwide, that means it didn't leave the country theatrically. <laughs> Paramount wasn't too proud they of that. They tried, yeah, some like some of these so. movies. Jason X only made money because it was released worldwide. It's the only one of the movies that actually lost money domestically. It cost more money. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember when that came out on in, in the theaters. I truly awesome. have no recollection of that coming out. But that's yeah, the only one. Yeah, I, I truly admit, the worldwide grosses at least no pulled it about. over the budget. It wasn't a hit, but at least made it generate some kind of profit. But the average, yeah. the average amount of profit that those movies generate is about thirty-two million per picture. So overall, not too bad. Now, Nightmares had fewer movies, so it's a little bit behind. It's like four hundred fifty million. So compared to 465 but it's fewer films so their average is like 38 million or let's say 49 million compared to 38 I think is the worldwide average so they're doing much better per film as far as the number and both of these numbers include Freddy vs. Jason for both franchises so it's a wash yeah. But those two smoke all the other, like Halloween and Texas Chainsaw and all those. But that's how they compare to each other. So Jason, again, <laughs> Jason comes a, comes ahead in quantity. And Freddy comes ahead in quality. Like, per film, more money. But Jason is all about overall numbers. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll make 50 movies. 
Makes total sense. So either way, the only franchises that really smoke those two are like Saw and Paranormal Activity, which make crazy money. They can't. None of the '80s franchises touch. Yeah. Everything those. makes more money these days, though. The new franchises. Well, those are the only two I can think of in new franchises that that clear that kind of money. I mean, Paranormal Activity averages close to two hundred million dollars of profit per picture. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they're all, those are also made for like you know fifteen dollars. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's why they keep making them. It's like that is an amazing profit margin. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, those movies like like the Saw well, franchise has made almost a billion either. dollars worldwide. Jason those, can't I mean, touch that. Yeah, all those James Wan movies do great. I mean, The Conjuring was twenty million, but it's made like five hundred million. Like it's made a lot of money worldwide. Yeah. Like yeah, he, so, every movie he makes is like exponentially larger than what the budget is. Well, and it shows you that's why studios yeah. typically would rather make a $30 million movie. They're not that interested in Freddy and Jason overall because they're like, I don't want to make a $2 million movie that even makes the $10 million. Dollars. Like, yeah, Insidious 1 was like $1 million to make. Even Insidious 2 is only like $5 million to make. Yeah. And it made like, you know, $100 million, $200 million. So that's like a, that's a big margin. But yeah, I like... Apparently, like the original opening of Freddy vs. Jason had a more extended Jason-esque kind of kill, and they cut it because they thought it was weird because it's this long opening that looks like a Friday the 13th movie and then turns out to be a dream sequence with Freddy and all that. They're like, you're asking a lot of the audience. So they really condensed it but left in the nudie shots. That's another test audience thing. They're not all wrong. They're like, test audiences demanded more nudity. Like, they weren't wrong. And there is nudity. This has another, <laughs> like we were talking about, Freddy in part four had the uh, the boobs of the soul being released. <laughs> it's like, the stomach, that's yeah. probably the probably the, the most, the cleverest boob. of all boob shots to be working into a movie. But this one's close, because yeah. even when they go to Jason's creepy hell haven where he, all of his victims are, which is actually really cool in the movie, there's like this closet where it's just dead people floating because inside the closet it's water and the chick floats by and then yeah. her shirt's ripped open and you see the boobs. It's like it's corpse boobs. Yeah, see, I'll, yeah, the nightmare of boobs are always weird. Like the Friday 13th one's always just clean, wholesome boobage. But the nightmare ones are these like weird. Because like, they have to figure, because of concept. Yeah. Crazy They boobs. always have to figure out how to work it in. Demon it's easy boobs. in Jason. Yeah, demon boobs. <laughs> But in Jason, it's just like, well, I'm going to get like full-on butt-ass naked. College kids, yeah. And then get killed. Well, yeah, it's, well that's the whole point of it. Drugs, and al- drugs, alcohol, and sex is what makes Jason pissed. Yeah. That's why the remake of that was so perfect, because it was just like, okay, boobs and drugs and kill. There we go. Oh, yeah. Magnificent boobs. Yeah, the greatest line in that movie is the guy getting there. You know, he's getting laid. And he's like, you got great boobs. boobs or whatever he says. Or, what was awesome about like, that dude, was, that was like the they really line. were, though. It's like, to make that <laughs> line work, you really had to cast he correctly. Because I came away from that movie going, that was an awesome movie. <laughs> that movie <laughs> really hit the mark. That's a stupendous movie. That movie stupendous. <laughs> Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, really, it should have been in 3D. <laughs> I love this movie too because it's Catherine Isabel. 3D in boobs it. in Fredovision. I, lo- I love Freddy Catherine Boy. Isabel. 
She's like, she deserves a Johnny Drama. Award. Yeah, we know. Johnny Drama, Eddie Burns. Congratulations, Johnny. Johnny drama has to be good. I have drama. You guys do. There is the man. There is the legend. But only one who walks a certain career path has earned the right to become known as a real life Johnny Drama. Thank you, God. Victory! Because yeah. she was in Ginger Snaps. She was in a movie called American Mary. Just she recently. Here, Freddy, that was Nightmare a pretty Steve cool movie. No, she would have been like three. <laughs> Well, she could have appeared as something. She was in some older TV shows too, but but I think that, that those are the big ones. She is, was in Insomnia. I remember that. Man. Oh, I noticed when I was watching this movie that when they were watching the news report, the television station was KRGR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit more clever than in Nightmare 4 when they tried to do an in-joke and the name of the diner was the Crave Inn. God, know, yeah. guys. Jesus. KRGR <laughs> <laughs> is the name of the what? It's the name of the TV station. That they were, That's when the, the news name of Kroger Radio. On, You're inside of Kroger Radio. It goes KRGR, Kroger Radio. <laughs> Freddio! <laughs> Recorded in Freddio! <laughs> <laughs> this movie had a lot of throwback gags to the other movies, I think. Because it. Because the story, oh, yeah. I mean, isn't terrible, but but it doesn't hold up to too much scrutiny. Because you know, it's sort of like the the purpose is to pit the two against each other. So we'll accept any story that allows yeah. that to happen within reason. Yeah, they got to fight. But the whole thing where like Freddie killed my mom. It's like why? Why did Freddie kill your mom? It's like I guess is that that's yeah, like, like he's got no power and he can't do anything, but he killed my mom. But the, one of his last acts on this earth before they put everybody on hypnosil. Which I thought was a cool device, you know, where they just doped up the whole town. That that sort of is a new nightmare idea, where they took that idea of like his power comes from, you know, people giving it to him. I guess people remembering yeah. him. Yeah. So they take that well, to that the comes next from the level. First movie. Of, well, the, the idea that if you forget him, though, he has no power. Like in the first movie, it was like you give him his power with your fear, so you have to ignore him, which actually ultimately doesn't work. But this movie yeah. is more like he's a concept, and in order for him to survive, people have to know him and fear him. They like it's not just like your fear directly of him; it's the fear of him as an idea. If you forget him as an idea, there's a there's a website uh, called Freddy in Space, a blog this guy does, and he did an article <laughs> of Freddy movies that almost got made, and they're all hilarious sounding. We like dodged a bullet on pretty much all of them. But one That's is too bad. Well, see, but the ones that come up the most often are Freddy movies that where people were trying to figure out what to do with the last one before Freddy's Dead came around, or how to get Freddy versus Jason to happen. Those are like the two. Those are the two right. hard ones. But one of the movies, which was a horrible idea for a movie, but just because imagine the mechanics of making it, it was called First Kills. And it would have been a prequel story about Freddy when he was alive. And oh, you're like, God. good lord, that's just a movie of him molesting and murdering kids. It's like, that would be really dark. And then apparently, right after five, they got Pete Jackson to write a script. 
and he did wow. like the script called Dream Lover, where apparently it was it was sort of in a weird way a new nightmare kind of idea, but but not meta, where Freddy had lost his power because he becomes such a joke that that he didn't really have any power in the dreams, and kids were like doping themselves up Locking so they could fall asleep and, and kick his ass. And he's like trying, he's like on the comeback trail, and it's like, that's a weird idea. Then I remember when this came out, like when they were throwing Freddy versus Jason around, there was a script going going around that they were trying to get off the ground. That, I mean, it was about some ancient curse that a lot of it took place in like 17th century Italy or something. And here he calls it the Millennium Massacre. But it, it, somehow Satan ends up at the end <laughs> showing up just because why not? That's really similar to the, the director of Jason Goes to Hell, Adam Marcus, said that was his concept. He takes full credit for the Freddy vs. Jason thing. But everybody else that was involved said that Freddy vs. Jason – and logic kind of dictates that New Line would have purchased the Friday the 13th franchise for the purpose of making a Freddy vs. Jason movie. But he yeah. swears that that glove idea at the end was his idea. Hmm. And that he wanted to make a sequel that was Freddy vs. Jason. And it would have been like Satan challenges them in hell and to see who can get the most kills or some craziness. <laughs> oh, we know who would have won that. be my bitch? Yeah, Jason would be. <laughs> but apparently they also they picked certain souls they had to go after, which would have been characters from the franchises. One well, of which have would have been the stupid bounty hunter character from Jason Goes to Hell. Crude Router, whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> that, yeah. I can't remember his name now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't now. I could look it up, but never mind. <laughs> it was ridiculous, whatever the hell it was. But David Scow, who wrote Part 5, also had a Freddy vs. Jason idea, and his idea was like about a cult of Freddy worshippers called Fredheads that end up resurrecting yeah. Freddy, <laughs> which is funny because he actually wrote an episode of Friday's Freddy's Nightmares that was about a girl who like, was a groupie, a Freddy groupie. So you can see he's like he was trying that idea out. If we're doing the drinking game for this episode, yeah, Freddy. Every, every time, time you mention the Freddy's Nightmares, you try to Shanghai that into this episode. <laughs> we should say that because we've been doing drink. it for like. We've been doing it for the whole retrospective. We should just post that and say, from now on, anytime I mention Freddy's Nightmares, you have to take a drink. If you have been drinking every time he mentions Freddy Night- Freddy's Nightmares, you would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> it would be in a dream coma. Yeah. Creighton Duke. Creighton Duke. That's what I like. Creighton? What kind of name is Creighton? Crude Bowden. <laughs> Or the Creighton. Tug Johnson. <laughs> he was, uh, <laughs> was Mr. X from the X-Files. That guy's been in a bunch Creighton of stuff. Duke. I like that guy. But wasn't he in the original... Was he in the original 21 Jump Street? I don't know about that. I think he might have been. He was in um, He was in uh, Better Off Dead. He was the, uh, the black dude working Shane. on the electric. He's like, damn, Shane, he threw away. Yeah, the funniest boy. line ever. <laughs> <laughs> Folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. Uh, let's see. 
Okay, so so should we should we retrospect on the plot of Freddy versus Jason, or is it sufficient? I mean, it's hard to mention we that as part of the canon. It, I will say this: when we were doing our Friday Thirteenth retrospective, we run in we ran into the fact that that they had to bring in a different guy to play Jason for the alternate ending, which is the theatrical ending that we're familiar with. And we said in yeah. the episode, we have got to find out what the original ending was, and then promptly did nothing. Of course. <laughs> Until much oh, I much later that I was listening back, like, why didn't we ever? Because we never follow up on anything. So I was, I was watching the deleted scenes, and I realized I had already seen this. I knew before we watched that. But I'd forgotten. Because <laughs> the, the original ending of the film didn't have Freddy or Jason in it. It cut to uh, Monica Kina the little hotsy totsy plays the main girl and her boyfriend uh, Jason Ritter and they're mm-hmm. in bed and then at some point while doing it it turns out he's possessed by Freddy which is mm. sort of weird and unsettling anyway but but audiences didn't like it because you know you never see Freddy or Jason and what's why end the movie with those two who cares like you want to see yeah, Freddy and Jason, weird. so they came up with the ending where where he's carrying Freddy's head and head, Freddy's head turns. That's a cool and ending. To the, it was a cool ending. That is a better ending. It was a much better ending. Either that or or either that or introduce someone else, like you know Ash or. Well, that yeah, was Michael another Meyer one of the movies that almost I mean, got made. We've said this before, but Freddy versus Jason versus yeah. Ash was really the movie they wanted to make. Like they put that up yeah. there, and it was Sam Raimi who wouldn't give up the rights because he wanted to make an Evil Dead remake that did not have Ash in it well he's making um, Army of Darkness 2 is what Evil Dead 2 Army of Darkness 2 whatever it kicking is kicking that idea around when I read that article it didn't Again. sound like he had very definitively confirmed that well no it's just like I'm interested because I'm not doing anything else yeah, I couldn't do it before. Well, I mean, that's been floating around a lot lately I mean, not lately but I mean, the last couple but years it's getting years, so. less Likely, you keep floating it around. I mean, Bruce Campbell's in pretty good shape, but but I mean, it's been yeah, a he's while. Also, what like sixty now? <laughs> and you you're a little worried about them bringing back Ash if they don't if they don't have anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it'd be it'd be a lot of fun if Sam Raimi directs it, especially I, if Sam Raimi you know is is involved with the writing and he directs the film. I could see it being fun. But don't don't half-ass it. Don't do another one of these things where you bring your friends in and, and you don't do it because you're too big or whatever. You know, if only do it if you're really w- willing to come back to it. And you yeah. got an idea. Don't don't do an Indiana Jones either. If you don't have an idea, don't make another. One. <laughs> so it'd be interesting, but I'm not. Kids these days, they like aliens, don't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aliens. It's in the 50s now, so it has to be aliens. It's like. Roswell, Roswell. So, so they got that going on. It's not aliens; it's interdimensional beings. Oh. <laughs> Whatever it is, with big heads, glowing egg-headed, it's, freaking. It was already dumb, but we could make it dumber if we well, try. They do Crystal Skull, and the Crystal Skull in the movie isn't the Crystal Skull that uh, uh, that's part of the myth anyway. The yeah, Crystal I mean, it's a Skull kind of a cool exactly. idea. They actually kind of. It's a really neat story around, but the story of the actual crystal skull, like, like, is is pretty cool. Like, it's weird, but then they make it some big alien skull, and then the temple turns out to be a spaceship. And you're like, oh Jesus! 
and they swing with monkeys. That's really swing. They, yeah. Well, yeah. We, yeah, we could. We've actually complaining have about done George Lucas sequel. Take a drink. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. If you, if you like that fourth Indiana Jones, you can have it. It's fine. But uh. I give you my copy. Anyone who wants it, you can have my copy. Yeah, I bought the <laughs> DVD. Did you get the special edition with the crystal skull in it? <laughs> yeah, I got the Blu-ray set and came with it. Actually, I don't even know if I have a copy now. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you can have my memories. Yeah, really. You can extract it <laughs> from my brain. I will gladly download those and give them to you. <laughs> or upload them. Whatever. All right. Here's what... All right. So, Freddy versus Jason was really... It was nothing special. It was fun, but it wasn't like a big thing. Well, it, if you... In retrospect... It didn't bring if you watch it, the... like, in terms of the other movies, it, it's slapsticky in some of the same ways that... That we didn't like in some of the other nightmare movies, but if you're going to do a Freddy versus Jason, you kind of have to accept that it's going to go there because yeah. you can't, there really isn't a cerebral story that supports. Cause one of the things that in that millennium massacre movie that I liked is, as a concept was what I always thought would be a cool idea for Freddy versus Jason. This is way back. We said, well, the way to tie it in is to say that Jason is, was one of the Elm Street children who left. Hmm. And he's the last Elm Street child. And that's what that's what brings them together and like and apparently in that Millennium Massacre they did, they said that but then they also said that every one of Jason's kills like Jason actually like Freddy drowned Jason and Freddy resurrected Jason and all of Jason's kills were directed by Freddy. And I'm like, well that's that's sort of co-opting the Friday franchise too much toward the, the yeah, Freddy. Yeah, I don't like that. That just... Yeah, I mean, you j- leave Jason his own pull. turf. That's that's one thing this movie gets right. It's like, you know, the Jason goes yeah. to Elm Street, which is fun, and he wreaks havoc in, in, in Elm Street, and that's sort of Freddy's way to come back. I like back. Jason's nightmare world. I think that Jason and Freddy's nightmare world where there's these rutting couples who are just like going extra fast or extra slow. It's it kind of had a good quality to it. I it's like that. It's very weird and, and, and unsettling. And and, yeah. and Freddy looks so demonic. The makeup for Freddy is so cool in this. Like he's got like these sharp teeth and, and sometimes he's just blood red. Yeah, that was an, he, an interesting He has change, so many cool the, the looks. sharp teeth. Because for some reason – well, not for some reason. It was for reasons of money. In like the fifth and then the sixth movie too, basically – I mean, they were more or less just putting a Halloween mask on him. Like, it was the worst yeah. makeup. And I don't know, I'm sure money was part of it, but I wondered, too, if they were just trying to find a, an appliance that was easy to put on in a, you know, in a single piece. But it just looked terrible. And it's and Well, yeah, I'm sure with Robert England, he's not going to want to spend, you know, hours on end every day getting makeup applied. Yeah. What else is he doing there? <laughs> exactly. Well, he's a big star. Yeah. Yeah. But He's that's the same stuff. Roles. They did the same thing in the TV show. It's like, just put him in a mask and let's do a thing. Stand him up and let's do an intro. But by the time yeah, New Nightmare, a, spirit gum and... Wes Craven gave him this cool new look. I think he Probably the coolest Freddy has ever looked is in New Nightmare. And then in Freddy vs. Jason, they did the same thing where he had these varying looks. Like He's, he's like a demon, so he has all these different weird looks. Like sometimes yeah. he jumps out of the the lake and it, it's everything is red and he look <laughs> it looks like Satan, but it's like right. such a cool like these his eyes are glowing white you know these, these contacts, but it's such a cool idea because it gives him 
it, it makes him more of a dream demon because there is no definite Freddy look. You don't know what he's going to come yeah. out like. The, there are certain constants, but but sometimes he looks crazy, and sometimes he looks completely evil, and sometimes look completely inhuman. Because he's inhuman. a dream demon, he obviously chooses his form, and he's chosen the burned form to scare people. Yeah. So he could obviously he, he could choose a form that's on fire if he wanted. Yeah, to. Yeah, he can look like Nancy's well, he, dad he chose if he feels a big like worm her. Like, at one point. <laughs> but but yeah, so that that was something that I really liked about the movie, especially in the context of having seen Freddy just sort of watered down in a couple of different films and knowing that there was no going back, that knowing that Wes, Wes Craven's new nightmare was a onesie. There was no going back to that. That Anything that tried would have been horrible. So leaving that as its own point in time, you know, this was a really cool way to have Freddy and Jason fight. Because that's what you have to have. And then they have the final sequence takes place at Crystal Lake. So you see them both on their own turf and each other's turf. So as far as payoff of what they have to have. I think it works because they have that that moment um, where Jason dies where Freddy's glove comes and grabs him. And you think, oh, they're together in hell. It's awesome. So when they turn up together in this movie, you know, like, good. (laughs) It It kind of goes with the continuity. Yeah, so you get, he's got the machete, and Jason comes at him with the, the glove and stuff, so there's a bunch of fun stuff, and plus, it's got to be a double KO situation. You know, so you yeah. can't yeah. say, that's sort of where the girl comes up at the end, and she's the one who beheads Freddy. It's almost like they're they're having to give the, the death blow to, to a third party, so that you can never say, you can't say either one of them had the last shot. But then... Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that part because then she has like the the line and stuff, and like who cares? Who cares about this girl? Yeah. In yeah. the scope of the story, she's just here to fill out that sweater. You don't get lines. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, overall, I remember being so excited about that movie and so much build up to that movie. So for them to do something that was satisfying. I think that was a good fun one. If that's, you know, if that's the last we ever see of Freddy as Freddy, I think that was a good way to leave it. Yeah. Because obviously the remake is trying to reinvent the concept and all that. So, but that's the last, you know, Robert England as Freddy. Yeah, proper Freddy. Yeah. So that's a, that was a good way to end it. It's a shame because they definitely wanted to make more Freddy versus Jason films and should have. That would have been a fun franchise. Yeah, it would have been. <sighs> but oh well. They could have just done it each new one new and not worried about canon. <laughs> Let's just think of a new situation for them to fight and and not worry about the last movie. I like building on it though because it would have gotten more and more ridiculous. Like Jason Freddy versus Jason <laughs> versus Ash is an awesome idea because oh here's a whole other thing. And they did make comics. I've been trying to get hold of those comics, but they're not as easy to get hold of as you might think. But they did. It was the same writer who wrote the comics, so I'm I'm curious to see based on that based on the script that they were that they wanted to pitch for the for the the film. So that's as close as you're ever going to get. Probably is reading those comics. So I'll have to look for that. Okay, well, I think that we've we've sort of come to another stopping point here. Here's here's what I think. Go on. I think Come that on. make your case for Freddy's <laughs> new nightmares or whatever. 
Freddy's new nightmare. Well, we still have to talk about the remake, and I don't think we have time to talk about the remake here, but I do want to talk about it. So maybe we can let's let's take a break, come back next week, give you a little refresh time to maybe try to watch some of these Friday's Nightmares episodes, and we'll come back and we'll finish out this retrospective by by going over the remake and uh, talking about the TV show. And that should pretty much round it all out. Mm-hmm. Into the ground. Into the ground. Exactly. <laughs> As all good franchises do. We have, we have stretched it into In, the ground. It, well, like the people at the end of the movie with a baseball bat smashing the brains again and again to make sure it's dead. In that interim, I'll also read the Nightmare on Elm Street comics so I can bring those into the mix. Then I'm going to go online and read every single fanfic ever written. (laughs) And you guys should do that too. The fan films of Freddy versus Jason versus Michael Myers versus Pinhead. But I think that'd be good. And then then we could say we did it. And it'd be like a five part retrospective. (laughs) Even people, even the Nightmare on Elm Street fans are like, ah. Give it no, up. God, more. So, so that'll do it. That's what I think, and that'll give us a good taste. And then we can say that that we we covered it all. Yeah. We covered it comprehensively. Comprehensively. That's what I like. So, and that's good. Like I said, because aside from episode two hundred, the plan is that this retrospective will probably be the last the few last episodes we do of the year so what the Halloween episode almost always is this year not ever of the year yeah I mean 200 won't be our finale we got no reason to stop so so yeah so we'll probably do that and maybe 200 will actually be the last thing this year but uh, so I don't mind stretching this out because this is this is going to be it it's then it's the holidays. It's gonna be all of November. Yeah, which is easy because we don't have to record. I just have to cut one every now and then, and then we'll all be out of town for holidays and such. So that'd be good. But but yeah, so you can listen to episodes at TV at uh, You can you can like us on the Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Lynn's blog, which is linked on the Facebook. We'll try to get that on the main page too at some point. Maybe by the time this airs, I will be on the main page. It's a hyperlink. I just have to do it. And then, uh, doink us on dweeblers. Go to forum.tv8mandinner.com and talk to us there. And that's it. Join Burdick in our discussions. <laughs> we, we have so many different discussions, but, but we do still have some on the forum as well. Yeah, Burdick you can find yeah, on, just- on, on, fa- on the Facebook if either on the the TV Eightman Dinner Facebook or my Facebook, there's always some kind of conversation going on about something. But yeah, but we're also on the forum. We carry on our discussions as well. So we got that, and then look out soon for at some point in all this we'll have the Dragon Con video. At some point in all this we will have more Christmas videos, I believe. And I definitely have got some Apocalypse Party audio stuff coming out because I've already recorded it. I just have to cut it. So some more of the audiobooks. Or you can buy the regular book on Yay! Amazon and read it, which will be faster for you. And then you cannot read slow enough that you wouldn't beat me at this because I'm going to take forever. 
So there's all that, and then episode 200 coming up, and that'll round out our year, and we'll figure out what we're going to do next year. But I know we're going to have, soon, we're going to have some Walking Dead stuff, because we're already planning what we're going to do with that. Drunken Dead. Which I, Drunk which is dead. a very exciting concept, I think. <laughs> we just, it might just be disappointing, because, I mean... <laughs> I know, I feel like I'm going to have to really step it up. I was trying up. to think of rules for that. It's like you almost have to drink a drink, like a beer, or like a drink Oh, per that's like, take a drink about. every time Andrea does something dumb. Well, just per episode, you know, and if we start, like, doing through them pretty fast, every time, it's, it's going to get pretty ridiculous by the end of the day. Yeah, it's going to be... boring at the beginning. I know, by calling it Drunk and Dead, there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on us to make sure that you can tell. <laughs> yeah, we should just call it something normal, and that's just the same. No, I like, Drunk and Dead is such stuff. a good concept, I really feel like that'll draw people in. Well, we I feel that. like that's the most fun to me. But then we'll, we'll get to Game of Thrones as well later on. That's that's before the end of the year. The side projects will take over. So a lot of fun stuff on the horizon. But until then, my name is Sean. My name's Andrew. <laughs> this is Gary. I'm Lynn. We will see you next time. <laughs> this is the first time we've said our names before. <laughs> I'm glad we put music on the outro yeah, so at least something fills those gaps where we're all presumably trying to remember who we are. The magic of editing. <laughs> really? I'm not cutting these snappy. pauses out. <laughs> yeah, I'm Sean, Andrew, Gary, Lynn. I'm Andrew. We can all have a theme song. This has been TV8 by Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com.